Hello, 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 everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to HNN Activate August edition. I hope you guys can hear me. If you can hear me, please, I like some uh, feedback in the chat feed. I'd like to be sure that uh, you can hear me right now. If you can hear me, please give some feedback in the chat feed. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. If you can hear me, please, I like some feedback. I like some feedback. I like some feedback. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hi, hello everyone. Good morning and welcome to another wonderful time um, here at um, 
HNN Activate. Um, it's been wonderful every month. We, you know, we come together and we discuss, uh, we have conversations around technology, around entrepreneurship, and then, you know, the business of technology as it were. Um, it is wonderful to be here again. Um, I'd like to appreciate everyone for being here. I'd like to thank all our participants and as well as our speakers for today's event. And then in one hour, 30 minutes, we're going to be done and out of here, but I can promise you that it's going to be one hour, 30 minutes of really, really impactful insight sharing all through. So good morning, everybody. A bit of housekeeping. Um, we have two keynote sessions as always, right? The first keynote session will come after my introduction and then we'll have a little interlude, then we go to the second keynote session. Immediately after which we have our panel session where I'll be asking our speakers questions, our panelists questions, um, you know, regarding the topic. And then we would also be able to entertain questions from the audience. If you have questions either during the keynote session or uh, during the panel session, kindly use the questions uh, feed the questions feed on the Zoom platform. Kindly use the questions feed on the Zoom platform. Please do not use the chat feed. The chat feed should be for feedbacks and you know comments and all of that so that we can clearly and easily track your questions. Please use the questions feed if you have questions at any point in time. If you have questions from the beginning, please put it there. When we get to the panel session, we would ask your questions. I would also give two people the opportunity to, you know, give feedbacks. That's two people from the audience uh, will be given opportunity to, you know, will bump you up to, to, to the panel and then would allow you to say one or two things just to get feedback from, you know, from us uh, regarding the events. That'll be after the panel session though. And then it will be bye-bye for the month. So um, without further ado, as you all might have seen on flyers, we have two wonderful folks joining us today on the panel right we have damilari Oshokoya, who is currently the chief executive at realvest um realvest is a digital platform that is solving real estate solutions basically there are 360 degree real estate solutions powered you know by digital platforms and uh realvest is doing a whole lot i've known damilari for a while uh, we work together on some projects and and all that and um particularly is very much um important and is very much vast in the topic of solving problems as he himself had um, you know worked on different um platforms before even before realvest um he started out in venture capital uh of which he had to work with several several startups and you know is always an advocate for mvp which is uh, minimum viable products as well as building solutions first then using technology to power you know whatever solution you have built so damila rashakaya will be joining us today damila rashakaya is already here um, i like him to turn on the video and just say hello uh to the house damila okay yeah hello good morning and how are we doing today it's an honor to be here Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate your time. We look forward to discuss with you. Awesome. So second speaker we have today is Emmanuel Bolade. As again, as you have seen on um, the flyers, Emmanuel is um, the CEO and co-founder at um, Termite. Termite is an internet messaging platform that seeks to help, uh, you know, businesses connect with their customers as smoothly and as swiftly as 
possible and they're built they're building different kinds of solutions you know within the platform to help um businesses connect with customers they have emailing solutions they have sms solutions you know and a lot more right um emmanuel and his team as um you know they've worked over time they were funny enough emmanuel was also uh in venture capital i know he started out working with um mentoring startups as well uh before he decided to also build platforms you know of himself he's built a couple of platforms um starting from even before he, he you know went into venture capital and he is definitely one who starts small he's definitely one who starts with you know an mvp one who thinks of a problem and says how can we solve this and then they decide to you know build a solution not necessarily with a hundred percent tech platform but bit by bit they have grown even with termi you'd see it if anybody um here follows tech news you would realize uh you remember that a couple months ago uh termi raised uh, you know some some funds and then they're using that to also uh deepen the technology that's the you know they're building at um at the at the company so um emmanuel is here and is very very much important to discuss today you guys would have the opportunity to also listen to him and then ask questions from him uh i'd like emmanuel to please turn on his video and then say hello to the house if he's here yeah how you doing guys um Good morning, that's in Nigeria. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Great, awesome. Interestingly, it's 2 a.m. where Emmanuel is and he's joining us uh, live. So we really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for taking out, um, you know, the time. Instead of to be resting, you're here sharing um, insights and sharing knowledge. Thank you so much. No problem. No problem. Awesome. awesome. So we're going to go straight to it. We're going to go straight to it. We're listening to the first keynote now um the first keynote is going to be delivered by damilari oshokoya for the next 20 minutes thereabouts and then we'll listen to uh, emmanuel then we go straight to the panel session so uh without further ado please i'd like us to have a digital welcome guys you know how we do it a digital welcome if this were physical we would have a rounding sound, a, a rounding applause you know sounding applause and all of that but i like us have a digital welcome for damilari oshokoya damilari oshokoya works with rivest as ceo he works at beloba as coo and i know he has a couple of other projects so please let's you know welcome damilari welcome 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 Welcome, welcome, welcome. Dr. Larry, you've got the floor. Uh, yeah, thanks for the digital welcome. Um, just to be clear, am I audible enough? Yes, you are. We hear you. Okay, great, great. Uh, thanks for this opportunity again, Emmanuel. Great job um, that your team is doing. Um, they're at Osna now. I don't see how incredible what you guys are doing is. And how important what you're doing is putting, you know, conversations like this up, up forward. Um, I've missed having such conversations. And thanks to the use of technology, now we can have people come around and listen and also contribute. Uh, so thanks to the team at Osna now, wishing you guys all the best as you solve more and more of Africans' problem. Um, so, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so let's go into the crux of the conversation today, right? And Emmanuel, you know, summarized for me what my my, my career vision is all about, right? Solving important African problem. And I'm going to take us through a journey, right? Of how my journey into uh, this digital space, into technology, into tech, you know, as the new balance is. And then I will run us through the journey or, and why it is important for me. So um, while I was in the, in the university, my penultimate year, I joined Enactus. Enactus is an international student social organization 
that was uh, that was helping young people to build entrepreneurial potential in solving common community problems, societal problems. So we're going from villages to villages, helping um, local farmers, helping you know rural women, helping those who are facing like most fundamental problems. You know that the problem that you and I have, Emmanuel, is different from those kind of problems that that exist over there. Right, we're talking of the problem of accessibility, problem of poverty and hunger, problem of malnutrition, the problem of unemployment. You know, so if you if you are born in Lagos, not not in New York, if you're born in Lagos, in the heart of Lagos, you might likely not experience some of these things firsthand. You know, there are many people who are here who have never paid a visit to their village before, right? So when they hear of unemployment, they hear of lack of um, electricity, they have their own story to it. Right, is when they know that there's generator and then light, um, the PHCM people will take light and then we'll hunt gen. I'm talking of villages where there is no electricity pro, there's no electricity grid. I've been to such communities before, right? Where you can see pictorially poverty, as in poverty is staring at you, as in it's there, right? Malnutrition, I know most, most of us see them in magazine, in UNICEF magazine and UNICEF report. You will experience it and you will see it firsthand, right? And these are very deep communities where students, or pupils are still sitting on the floor to learn, right? That, so that was, that's my background. That was where I started my journey for. And to be honest, I love that, you know, it, it just gave me the opportunity that I have a lot of privilege, even when I thought that I didn't have a lot, right? Um, it, it, so when we go to these communities and we're trying to help whether the local farmers or we're trying to help the pregnant women who, who don't have access to clinics or hospitals, you know, there's a lot of education that we can bring in. There's a lot of enlightenment. There's a lot of support. And that's how the journey started. So when I got to Convenant, right, I got to Convenant at the time where the institution was planning to institute um, the first um, incubation hub, academic incubation hub, like we call it, um, in, in, in Nigeria, right? And that was how we started the Ibram Startup Lab um, at Convenant University, where we're providing seed funding, we're providing mentorship, and we're helping to groom the next generation of entrepreneurs. That opportunity opened my mind to a different kind of space, I hope you're following this story. It's very important because that's all that I have to say in this keynote. It's the importance of this story. Now, how do I connect this together? When I got to Convenant, right, majority of the aspiring and young entrepreneurs who had energy and were very passionate that I met, right, they were Silicon, they were the subset version of Silicon Valley in Nigeria. The problems that they, that they thought they were problems, you don't understand, the things that they were calling problems that they really wanted to solve, me, I was shocked because of where I was coming from. I'm like, is this a problem? Like problem of, okay, Mr. Dami, I want to try and build a software that I can know if my, my partner is cheating on me, if he's dating a girl in the engineering department. <laughs> <laughs> Not most of it, do you understand? Or oh, if a lady is gossiping about me in the hostel, you know, I want to build a software, an AI powered software that I will know what that is you know, particularly the way they are gossiping about me in their hostel or stuff, right? I want to build a drone, you know, that can help me um, go to the highland and get pizza, you know, a student on campus, they couldn't get access to some things. So they wanted a drone that could go far. In as much as those things were innovative, I'm like, guys, I have seen, I have seen much more important problems. And that was where the whole conversation of what exactly is problem? You know, are we just in this old digital bubble for, oh, we're all creating, people are creating tech solutions. You know, it is much easier to start a business right now. All you need to have, I used to talk, just tell them, you need a logo, CSA registration, do branded t-shirts, 
And then by the third day of ideation, give everybody on your team, give them portfolio, CMO, COO, CTO, CSO. As in, I saw a lot of that while I was in Covenant. As in, they would talk about the idea overnight in the, in the hostel. By the next day, everybody already have job, as in, title. They already have a logo. The, the logo will be that night, as in. And then the next week, one week, they already have a brand next T-shirt. And then, yes, yes, our name is Startup Bug. We are helping to create the next generation of wizard or something. So problem, the whole ambience of saying we're not creating tech business, you know, you are reading this one just raised 500 million. You say, ah, are you serious, just on your laptop? And then all this review of Mark Zuckerberg left, you know, left school and then went to create something small and then it's now big. So many of the young entrepreneurs that I've, that I've met, right? This is the bubble that they got into, right? It wasn't about the problem any longer. It was about how do we create something cool, something, something nice, something great that you know people will not come around and say oh you do you're doing this yeah say uh, we're building a software where you can connect somebody that's about to die to the best casket that you can get and then it's all about the story of tech how we're using you know we have the best front-end developers have you seen our ui you know that's now what the problem is and let me explain this to you i'm a i'm a crude businessman um and thank god for my background i grew up in abeokuta in kuto so i was grew up in the market right it has made me to understand the fact that there is the place of technology and there's a business behind the technology, which is the real problem, right? So there is a mobile platform called Uber, right? You see that car, the verification of that car, the car being available, transporting you from one place to the other is the problem. That exactly is the problem. So I spent in as much as I understand that, you know, there's the place of digital inclusion, providing the best technology to make things easier, accessible, faster. I give a lot of, of attention to the business in itself. So let me, for some of the young guys that are in the house, let me help you, let me open your eyes to something. Especially for those that are here that feels like, oh, I'm also a tech guy. So the question I want to ask you is this, when you remove the role of technology in your business today, can the business still function? What is the role of tech in what exactly you're doing today? What exactly is the problem itself? Is it the technology that is the problem or the business model that is the main problem? You need to create, you know, do you understand? You need to come into the realization and say, what exactly are we trying to do here? And what exactly is the role? Because I think that's what um, Osna now and Emmanuel are trying to, you know, clarify for us. How important is the problem? So that we don't get carried away with the whole fact that we're trying to build a tech company or a tech business and, I don't have a problem with round neck, sorry, because I'm always making emphasis back, <laughs> back, back to that, right? <laughs> you know, there's just this, oh, we want to belong to this new association, right? The question is, what exactly is the problem? And then, let me wrap up with this, right? I don't know how much of my time that I've done in, in today's. What is the African problem? I believe so much in Africa. So it is not a Nigerian thing. I believe so much, so much, much in Africa. Why? because I'm seeing a new second generation of slavery. That's what I call it, right? Where we're going to be depending a lot. This time it's not about whether they're bringing Christianity to us or they're trying to sell glass to us, you know? It's about the fact that many of our solutions, the solutions that, that you know, that should define who we are and our culture, we won't be the ones solving them. We're gonna need external intervention into solving them. The problem of unemployment, problem of poverty, problem of hunger, problem of inflation, problem of, of malnutrition, um, problem of, I'm talking about the most fundamental problems, right? When you check the SDG goals today, they were majorly built for us, as in 
for us as Africans. They were majorly built for us. If we leave those kind of problems, right? And I know we're in a very open community and we are solving problems that has to do with, um, what's it called now? Gay, um, um, gay, we're trying to solve problems that have to do with going into space. In as much as, you know, I like the fact that we should catch up and be ahead. Space is not our problem right now. When you look at the numbers, you look at what the statistics is saying, as about the, num the level of illiteracy that we still have in the continent, you know that we have a bigger problem. When you look at the rate of malnutrition, even right here within this country, where you still have the richest man in Africa, right? You go to the northern part of the country, even some extreme part of the West, and you see how well people are suffering. We can, those are the kind of problems that we should be using. We should be putting a lot of efforts using digitization technology. It's my school of thought, it might be wrong. And that's why Emmanuel you know, talked about that when he was introducing him at the beginning. I strongly believe that African problems are meant to be solved by Africans by not running away from them. I, I love innovations. A lot of them is happening all around there. You get it, um, right? Um, talking about things that has to do with artificial intelligence, you know, big data and stuff. There's no problem about that. But how important, you know, are these problem, are these solutions to some of our ex, some of our, our problems? Because what I've come to see, right, guys, is that these problems have been with us so much that we've decided to just live with them. Yes, traffic in Lagos, right, has been there before I was born, right? And there's very high possibility that I will transfer it to my next generation if care is not taken. But do you know how much of millions, how much of, you know, life expectancy, what they call that thing again now? I still read one this morning, the life expectancy rate you have in Lagos. I don't know. It, has it increased now? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, right? And it's not part of us. It's, it's not part of our DNA. We feel like that is great. And nobody's looking at that, right? And we're worried about what is happening to, is it only fans? Do they call them now? Or Tinder? And say, oh, they're not great. We should create something, you know, to compete. What the heck, guys? There are bigger problems facing our community, facing our country, facing our continent that we can solve, right? Um, so just to create a balance, and I'm trying to wrap it up. I've tried to establish via this conversation that I'm having with us today, what I feel should be um, the most important problems that we should be trying to, we should try to address as young, smart. We're one of the most um, um, luckiest, if I can put it that way, one of the most privileged generation, right? In terms of accessibility, in terms of um, smartness, intelligence. Um, the question is what exactly are we channeling it into? We all want to be on front cover of Forbes 30, under 30. You know, those are the things that are important. We want to be at the New Times, your car, we want to be, you know, right there. But what exactly, what problems are we solving? Um, what major African continental problems are we solving that we're saying, we are using this superpower that we have in our generation to ensure that these kind of things, you know, they don't exist when we leave again. That's number one. Number two is this, what is the role of technology, right? What is the role of technology in the business, in the solution that we're trying to create? Is it an enabler or is it the main problem? If the problem is malnutrition, right? Um, feedall.com is not the solution to it. It will just be the enabler. Malnutrition requires food as in good nutrients. That is the business. Getting the right, you know, amount of nutrients into the body of that young child or that young boy somewhere there in, in Oshogbo, a village in Oshogbo, or a, a, a young child right there in Gombe. That is the solution that is addressing the problem directly. Do you understand? The role of technology is the enabler. So just to wrap it up, that exactly is my position on this conversation. Um, I know that we have a lot of smart people in the house who have their own position. 
But what we, what I truly and honestly believe in is using our superpowers to solve the most fundamental African problems. Um, I've mentioned a, a few of them, problem of shelter, problem of clothing, problem of malnutrition, poverty, uh, from abject poverty to extreme poverty, right? So whether you're building something that has just have to do with a payment gateway, or it's a, it's a FinTech, or it's something that has to do with insurance, we're asking you that, what is the big problem? And how important is this problem to you and your team? Guys, thank you, and God bless. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Guys, can we get a digital feedback for that session? I mean, that was wonderful. That, Larry, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Guys, if you heard the things that Dam Larry just shared and you feel like you've caught some stuff, I'd like you to give some digital feedback right now. I mean, that was that was that was mighty, right? I particularly like that you came from the angle of solving African problems, right? Um so last last month on 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 the show we discussed solving local problems globally right and it was more about local problems first right you know a lot of us would want to become the richest person you know the youngest this in the world the biggest this in the world the company with the highest revenue the this one and that one right we look global right which is perfect but I've come to believe, I've come to understand by now that um, the world's most celebrated entrepreneurs are people who started locally first and then decided to scale over time. And they scaled fast, quite all right. But they started locally first. And usually when you see when they start locally, they start almost without any form of tech, almost without it. I mean, look at the, the Amazon of today. We would all probably have seen the picture of Jeff Bezos somewhere in the garage one very long time ago, you know, with that very small table in front of him and a few computers. And I mean, I'm sure at that time he wasn't thinking, let's build an AWS platform. Let's build a, a platform that anybody do. I mean, he might have been thinking it, but he wasn't building it. The things he had in front of him couldn't do it. We saw paper and pen in front of him a lot right and that's that's the place of solving the problems manually first so they had a lot of you know back-end shipping even till today there's a lot of back-end shipping there's a lot of logistics there's a lot of road network um you know going behind the platform we see amazon.com but you see a lot of people just think amazon.com digital platform the guy is you know the richest dude in the world or second to second to um Elon Musk, let us just go and build our own digital platform as well. And then you have no logistics, you have no um backend network, you have no warehouse, you have nothing, right? Um, I particularly like that you you, you were you were direct towards African problems because when we look at it, we have a lot of problems in this country. In, in let me not even go Africa, let's start Nigeria. We have a lot of problems. No, no, problems are plenty. In fact, we have so much problems, we say. Enjoy yourself, problem no they finish. <laughs> like that's the extent to which we have problems in this country. Problem no they finish, right? And a lot of us as entrepreneurs would probably miss the aspect of focusing and looking for problems that are common to a lot of us, like they're common to millions. We want to we want to see how we can compete with the Google. We want to compete with you know with the, the Uber, we want to compete with the Facebook. Meanwhile, there are other forms of problem that we can solve, but maybe because it's not looking juicy to us at the beginning, it's not looking like something tech can do, right? We feel like, mm -mm, why? Because we also want to be a tech bro. I mean, we want to be a co-founder, CEO. 
you know that that's that's that title is wonderful. Ah, co-founder CEO, co-founder CTO. All of us want to ah co-founder, co-founder. You know, so that when you when you meet, and of course with the round neck, as you have said. Oh, good afternoon. My name is Kiniko Kiniko. I'm co-founder, CEO, Osana. Like, wow, you know, they carry you well. But now that what are you CEO of? What are you founding? What are you co-founding? No, no problem, no solution. Right? So I particularly like that. When we get to the panel session, I have some questions for you. Uh, but I like us to also listen to uh Emmanuel now. Let him give us his keynote, let him give us his insights into, into how you know solving problems manually really is important first and manually sincerely doesn't necessarily need to mean without any form of tech right i know um a global logistics chain company that runs on whatsapp i think they run out of uganda on whatsapp and they deliver goods from china to people around the world on whatsapp collaging company right so it, it it doesn't necessarily mean totally void of tech but it means find the problem and solve first before you allow tech enable. So I'll keep I'll keep uh, other comments till later. So let's listen to uh Emmanuel now. Emmanuel Bladi, uh guys, can we have a digital a digital digital feedback, a digital welcome for Emmanuel as um you know it gives us his keynotes and his insight into how solving problems manually is 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 the way to go. Emmanuel, you have the floor. Okay, yeah. Um I'm trying to that's morning, sorry. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Um morning. Uh, that was a good session from Damilare. Um, well done for that. I think I used you guys' platform. Uh, I don't know. I think that was um, earlier this last year or so that I joined. So I just dropped some money there anyways. So I'm hoping that um, I get paid after a while. <laughs> so yeah, that's but then, yeah. So that's um, that's a good one. Okay, so I think the key keynote topic, sorry, I'm um sounding very low basically it's midnight so i did sleep it don't mind me okay so um i think the topic was um um about in you know starting things manually right um and like you said um like emmanuel said manual is not necessarily uh not using tech basically right um there are different interpretation about it but the goal is scaling basically so starting something manual and then scaling technology so technology always is an enabler not necessarily it's 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 not really the core thing it's, it's always an enabler like you give the the um, example of um, uber basically right so uber is just enabling um, um you know, that interaction between people and um, drivers who own their own cars right so it's basically an enabler um Somebody, some might like to argue that in my own business, it's more technical, basically, because of how we deal with, um, okay, maybe I'll just introduce myself, basically. So, um, yes, like you mentioned, um, I run Temai. Now, what we do at Temai is we basically help fintechs, right? And we help um, tech businesses generally across the continent to verify, authenticate, and engage customers. So, anytime you are using um, a platform to make payments, you probably might be interacting with us at one point or the other without knowing. In fact, even if you are using um, uh, Realvest, you probably might be interacting with us, but you have no idea that you are even Realvest and have, have no idea that, that we are in the loop of the whole process. That's how deep we are embedded in the entire ecosystem. So we, we are not really concerned about people knowing about us. 
right? Um, but we are usually in the whole chain somewhere there, basically. So, so we basically possess it. If you're probably buying cryptocurrency in Nigeria currently, across any of the platforms that you, you think of using, we're probably embedded somewhere in, um, in that entire chain, um, basically. So our goal is just to ensure that every transaction that happens, you know, it's a, um, the right person um, is making that transaction, right? And um, that transaction is, um, is um, um, what do you call it? It's being processed effectively. So you are getting value for your money, right? Whether you are saving on a platform, I don't need to mention we are embedded in that process. Whether you are um, making payments or something, you know, we're embedded. And now, okay, let me come from that angle to explain the point of manual, doing things manually now. As much as those entire processes that I've just mentioned are heavily tech-oriented, right? We are transacting via APIs and things like that. The truth is that some of those processes, we still do them manually, to be very sincere. In fact, you mentioned the company using WhatsApp to serve. We actually use WhatsApp for, for a lot of things. That's how serious it is. There are some things that we don't you use tech for. We don't um, automate in my own idea tech would just be automating the process there are some things we don't automate actually we do manually because you are in africa you are you are in nigeria some automation does not work i only tell people that use chatbots on their website you know i really tell them that it's it's a you can't scale very well in africa using having chatbots on your website and you expect that when customers sign up they will chat with you and then you'll convert customers. It, it, it doesn't work like that. I, I tell them that you have to engage them manually. Yes, even if you have chatbots on your website, like a live chat, use a human being's image. Nigerians somehow, it's just like when you go into a retail store and you want to buy something and the robot is not talking to you. In a typical Nigerian person will just walk out of the store because they want to talk to somebody. They want to interact with a human being. They want to ask for the price. They also want to ask for discounts and all of that, basically. They just want to have that feel. So when you come to a website, they want to interact with a human being, basically. So, you know, when you use a chatbot, a, like a live chat on your site, it's always important to use um, a human being's image, right? Um, and I have discovered that that works, right? It works 100% every time, basically. We've had cases where somebody will be chatting with us and the person will say, hello, are you a robot or are you a human being? But if you say yes, the person will say, okay, please tell me your favorite color. Yes, and and uh, by the time the person tells her, oh, it's okay, my phone call is red. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, this is my problem. You know, that's how serious Nigerians are basically, or Africans generally, right? And we, we interact with people across the continent, Ghana, Kenya, everywhere, basically. So it's the same thing we see all the time, right? So certain things, we just discover like, it has to be manual. So sometimes after you've signed up, our process involves we discussing with you, calling you, you know, interacting with you, ensuring that, we get certain information to be sure that this is the right person. We even do some validation of companies via phone, you know, and then we, we can take it up via WhatsApp also, you know, to, uh, um, to ensure that the whole process goes well. So in your business, if you really want to scale, you know, there's something they call, if you want to, um, at the early stage of a business, do things that don't scale. That's what they usually say. What that means is that at the early stage of a business, when you are starting a company, don't automate everything. Do things that that seemingly look stupid, right? Um, if you need to visit some, for example, we do some funny things. You know, we actually um, send um, rice or pizza to to customers' office. You know, as that's how serious our offline model is. 
like to keep customers we actually do some very crazy stuff like so i don't need to tell you what we do anyways everything but we do very very uh, crazy things you understand and it, it works for us basically right you know because we understand the market that we're dealing with right everything is not um, email everything is not um, website you know we need to engage these guys outside these platforms if you really want to ensure that you keep them for example we, are, we have over 4,000 businesses on the platform and for every of those 4,000, we engage all of them individually, right? How we do it, I don't need to mention, but we engage each customer individually, basically. So practically, I know almost all 4,000 customers, right? I've interacted with them. I'm involved in the entire chain, right? So I embedded myself everywhere. So if any conversation is happening anywhere with any customer, I'll probably be, I'm aware of it, basically. That's how embedded. Yes, at scale, when you get to 1 million, it might not be possible again um, for me, basically. But then we are just starting. You're still a small business. We see ourselves still as a small company, right? So at this, small, at, at this stage, you need to, you know, while you are scaling, there are some things you need to do. Then later, you can start offloading. Now, don't get me wrong. We automate processes, right? There are a lot of automation that we do. In fact, I feel we are one of the companies in the industry that has, has automated almost every single thing. That we do right from start to finish you know we track every single thing right so so basically however we still allow for a lot of uh, manual processes so in the african space right scaling if you really want to scale you need to start um, manually right and then as you keep going you can now use you starting manually gives you um, ability to have insight into what the customers really want right not what you are trying to build for them sometimes a lot of um, um, founders or young companies, they fall in love too much in their products and they are selling, building a product that is for themselves, not for the customers. And that's why you see them having to automate every single thing, right? Sometimes there's this syndrome that founders have. They always are afraid to even talk to customers. If you have to find out, have you spoken to customers? I'd be like, hey, I've sent that back to a couple of people. They're actually afraid to talk to their customers. That's how funny it is, right? Because Imagine just like you want to go and preach to somebody, you know, the guy will be afraid of, you know. So most times people are always afraid of talking to them, but you can't do that. You know, you need to talk to them, right? And that's why you need some manual processes involved, right? Um, to engage those customers. You know, so over time, you see that the more you engage these customers, the more manual your process is at times. It gives you insights into really what these customers want and it helps you to opt optimize your product. It helps you to optimize your your service, you know, over time. I can't I can't count how many iterations we've had on our product over the over the months, right? And um, you know, a couple of years basically on the product, keep constant iteration, and it's because of how we engage the customers. It's not because we send survey via one survey link and we expect people to fill the form. That's the kind of survey that people do. You just type one, do one survey on survey monkey and send, and you want people to give you feedback. It doesn't work like that. You need to engage them. Right, and that's part of that manual process, basically that we're talking about. You know, then as you scale, as you grow, and as you optimize, you see that automatically, the more that happens, you see that you begin to even automate some process, right? And it's not the customers will even get used to that uh, upgrading because you are building, you are automating to the needs of the customers, not to make your product fancy or make your product um, very beautiful or something. We are automating to what the customers need, particularly. I am making it even much more easier for them over time. So for me, I just feel that in the African market, 
if you are starting out, you need to you, you need to actually start out manually, basically, right? And then build on top of it. That's if you are building a heavy tech, like I've mentioned, like what we do, right? In the case of um, businesses that have some offline touch, like um, real estate, um, maybe um, education or something like tutoring and all of that, you know, we could talk about offline in the sense of having an actual um, interaction with the um, with this um, service that you're offering, right? You understand? So me, I'm coming from the angle of if you're building a proper heavy tech, right? So if you're building a proper heavy tech, you need to have some man uh, manual in our own case would be, would be interacting with the customers. You know, manual in our own case would be, um, um, you know, build, um, you know, not overcomplicating your product, right? Overcomplicating it to make it look fancy, right? And then nobody's using it. I've, I've gone through that. Um, cycle before right and it wasn't funny right because nobody will use your product right when it's over complicated especially in the african market you need to oversimplify it to really get them rolling and then over time you iterate based on that and you build your product that makes it sensible and useful for the customer so i think that's just the basic basic thing that i could say right now um as regards manual you know you know that manual touch right of um of um, solving the problems. Now, let me just round up with this. You know, now I talk more about the products now, manual and products now. Um, talking more about the problem itself, right? You need to. So I, I think the Damilari has already given so much in depth about problem and the ecosystems. So I don't think I need to go into that. But in terms of problem, I'll just go a little bit more technical. In terms of problem, right? You need to when you are building a product, right? Don't um, as I found out, most times people are usually, they lie to themselves a lot. You need to ask yourself, what exactly is the business I'm doing? If your business is an SMS, say that I am doing SMS business, you know, tell yourself the truth. That's the beginning of your freedom in that, in that process. You know, um, Realvest is doing um, a real estate business. You understand? They're just using technology to enable it. It's a real estate company. Whether they like it or not, it's real estate. There's nothing else they are doing, you understand? It's just that it's automated. Do you understand? They just have um, a way for people to, rather than calling them on phone, you can go to the website and, and, and do it yourself, right? And even at that step, you still, if your property is going to a couple of millions, you still need to call them, right? And all of that and really interact with them. So in my own case, I had to tell myself, what is the business I'm really doing? The business I'm doing is, uh, is messaging. Do you understand? That's what I'm doing, you know? And, you know, it's okay. How do I now make this messaging more effective, you know? And how do I position myself there? What exactly um, are we trying to solve there? And then we just, the, 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 we basically discovered that the problem is delivery rates, right? Delivery rates was very bad, or it's still very bad. And not delivery rates in terms of messaging generally. What kind of messaging are we talking about here? Now we're talking about companies who are trying to serve um, the so-called 1 billion population in Africa, basically with financial services, with health, health tech services, with agri-tech services, edu-tech edu services. These companies need to verify customers using their platform. People that are doing crypto is very essential. Security is very key. They need to verify them. They need to authenticate them. They need to engage them, right? And these are, are called priority messages, right? Meaning that it's not just, you're not marketing them. These are your customers that need to be engaged, you know? And this is, and some of them are, is life and death situation. For example, a payment gateway. Somebody might be in the hospital 
and um, the woman is supposed to deliver and then the husband is supposed to pay. The doctor is not going to treat that, that lady until the husband pays. And he tries to make payment, the payment fails, you know, and the hospital is saying they are not going to treat until the payment goes through, you understand? That's, that, that's somebody's life literally at stake. And imagine if um, the OTPs for verification are failing, you understand? It's, 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 it's literally a big problem. So what we see at China is that we're actually solving real life problems, right? Because the impact of what, what, what we are doing is critical. You know, somebody is going to be sent out of school and he needs to make a payment, you know, or um, if somebody saved money on one app and then um, what do you call it? he needs to feed his family that, that weekend and he's trying to withdraw from an agent's banker, you know, and they're trying to process the payments, you know, there, but the thing is not going through and the weekend is coming, he needs to bring money home, you know, in rural areas. We serve companies that do, that have, have massive um, uh, POS agents across the country, you know, and all of that, and he can't get his money. You know, it's a problem. He goes back home, he, you know, he has a problem with his wife because money did not come home that weekend. You know, that's a real life problem that we're solving there. And, and on and on, hospitals, helium health, all of that basically, you know, is real life problem. So you need to, you, you, you need to narrow your business to the core of it, you know. So since we know that this is the problem we're solving, how do we now improve the delivery rates of this? How do we ensure that tokens are generated effectively? How do we ensure that the, the delivery of these tokens are sent across um, you know, the channels that need to be sent, right? How do we ensure that infrastructure is built around this? So one thing we've done at Termai is not just to provide a messaging platform, but a communications system whereby everything a company needs to build as regards communication and engaging customers, you know, you know, we've actually thought about it and built an infrastructure around it, right? So that's really how you, you use tech to enable a real life problem, right? You need to identify what is the core problem itself? What is the simple solution you need to build and how do you improve, use technology to improve that basically? That's how you think, you know, as a founder basically. I think um, uh, that's, says, yeah, so thank you basically. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Wow, that was that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Guys, can we have a digital feedback, um, you know, for that session? That was beautiful. That was beautiful. I mean, I particularly like that you come from the heavy tech aspect of it, right? Um, and exactly just as, I, as, you know, before you came in, I said that manually doesn't necessarily need to be without tech, right? It could be without just a little form of tech, anything that makes it easy and makes it smooth. And I mean, that was beautiful, really. Thank you so much, Emmanuel. Thank you very much for, the, um, for that insight. I mean, I feel, um, you know, with, with the advent of entrepreneurs, everybody wants to be CEO well again, right? Um, I think it's, it's fine. I mean, the, the, the core is that you can find a problem and you can solve it, right? And being true to yourself is usually uh, the best thing that we can do as entrepreneurs for ourselves and for the business. Because, I mean, it gets to a point in time uh, when you're building a business, you get frustrated, right? You know all those scenarios where we sit together with our team and then we come up with wonderful ideas. We didn't ask anybody. We didn't ask any clients, any customer. We just build you know, on the ideas that we have we have thought of. And then overnight, just like the guys at Covenants that Amelia mentioned overnight, they're giving yourself portfolio. Overnight, you have also thought you, you built a business. You've asked designer to, you know, design the logo. Web designers are doing something in like one or two weeks, you know, and then you just push, right? And then you push and realize that nobody is buying. Nobody is, you know, nobody is, um, is using the service that you have, you have uh, provided, uh, which is where the place of getting to, 
customers would make a lot of sense and then asking questions but you really can't ask a question from a customer without knowing what problem you're trying to solve i can't just go to anybody and say oga hi so um i'm thinking of doing this you don't know if it's a problem to this guy you don't know if he has an issue i mean you just see somebody on the street and you're telling him that uh, yeah so you know email api has been a big deal in this country what do you, how would you like it to be solved look at you and wonder oh god what is email api right so you need to first figure out what problem you're trying to solve then of course reach out to the kind of people who need that um you know solutions to that problem who have a dire need for solutions to that problem and that's that's a bit wonderful it's that wonderful um we're going to go straight to the panel session now i hope Emmanuel will be able to join us because i know he he, he he has to go he, he probably won't be able to stay but i hope he's able to stay for a bit uh, right uh yeah, yeah, so yeah cool thanks thanks so yeah we'll go straight to the panel session uh guys if you've listened to these two folks speak i mean you probably have some questions that you'd like to ask them and we always um like to advise make your questions personal to your business if you can be specific we can answer specific questions yeah, these are people that have done things you know they've been there done that they failed over time they've started things they've figured that oh they run into some challenges they've you know fixed some challenges you know in a popular adage, our challenges come to face one. I don't know that you face our challenges. You get what I'm trying to say. So um, you guys might want to be specific with your questions. Be direct. Ask questions about your business. Ask questions about problems you're having in your business. You know, if it's a pro if it's problem of scaling, if it's problem of solving problem, even if that's the problem, that your problem is solving problem, you don't know what to solve. Ask those questions. Uh, but before then, I'll just go straight to it. And I'm going to ask this very first question that really was was particular about the african um client right solving problems that are around you solving problems that are particular to the place where you are which is really good makes a lot of sense so that really answer this question for me how do you recognize relevant problems to solve how okay <laughs> first i'll say thanks thanks Imano. um thanks a lot as in uh, for that wonderful presentation and the time um, difference and you're still being here. Uh, thanks. On behalf of everyone, I would say thank you. Um, yeah. How do you recognize the kind of problems to solve, right? Ah, good. Yes. Um, let me sound like an MBA uh, lecturer or like I'm in an MBA class, right? I'm going to speak basically from the angle of two kinds of entrepreneurs that I've seen, right? Uh, because I, I see them as the enthusiasts, the guys that ask questions. Because it is when you see some, that something is wrong, you begin to ask questions. It's from the questions that you ask that you begin to get insight on what should be done. So if you, if you step into a room that everything is dirty and you feel like it's cool, you're not asking any question, right? So you are not seeing that as a problem. So there's no need to ask questions. You just sit down and then probably even have your lunch, dinner there. The two kind of entrepreneurs that I've seen, right, are those who are, they're just passionate, right? Passion is enough. They are passionate about the problem in itself. Right? These are individuals who, you know, they might have their first degree. There was a research I was doing in 2018. I never published it. Um, I hope I will have time to. I was trying to check um, startup founders, prominent startup founders in Nigeria and what their uh, first degree and second degree was. First degree, actually. And I was able to see that some of them would either study engineering in school or uh, sciences, and then they are building solutions for fiscal challenged, building solutions for pregnant women, for nursing mothers. That's passion talking, right? You're just passionate. You just feel uncomfortable, right? One of my friends came into my office not quite long, right? And I, I told him at the reception, I said, before this guy entered here, he would tell me at least 10 things that is wrong 
this guy pays attention to the the the, the most minute of details. He's a brand strategist, as in he had his first background in architecture. Every square, every rectangle, he would notice. He would tell you that this flower pot is not meant to be here. That that is what his passion is about, and that's what he's building solution about in his house in Maryland. You don't know him. He's not on tech points. He's not on pulse. Nobody knows the, who the heck the guy is, right? But this guy is so passionate about branding, about excellence, about design and stuff. When you begin to ask questions about something so much that you get uncomfortable with it, yes, that thing is a problem. The reason why I'm coming from that angle is that, Emmanuel, what is a problem to you might not be a problem to me, even though we are facing it together. So we step into the same brand, we step into the same community, into the same place. You are worried about electricity, man. I'm pissed off about the traffic. You are pissed off about the food. I am pissed off about the identity that we're having, the communication, right? So the, the, the place of what, what, how do you identify what the problem is? It's not from what makes you, it's not about um, when you feel like it's painful. There's some things that you can endure. There's some things that you have long suffering for. I don't have, am I likely to have any form of tolerance for it? Then that, when you begin to ask questions on those subject area, on those title area, then it is, your problem. You see the way I've personalized it, then it is a problem to you. So you might have your background in music and what is a problem to you is power, is around how people go around their the daily lifestyle. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So you don't miss your degree with it and say, oh, it's because, so most times being a founder of something, you might like to not have expertise in it, right? But you are sincerely passionate about it and genuine about it. And you begin to have conversations with people who have been in that space for a long time. Right, and then it becomes um, a problem. That's one angle of people that identify correct. You see the next person, the next set of people that that you know that I also know that helps to identify our problems that you can identify problem for are the guys that their pocket is heavy. There's nothing. Yes, I'm, I'm a realist. I don't like hiding from things. People that like money, money is embedded in problems, so they're not passionate. It's not passion that is their own problem. That's not how they identify the problem. They saw opportunities in the problem so much. You see the other guy that I talked about being passionate about the problem. He might end up creating an NGO around the problem. <laughs> he might end up creating a non-profit. Or he might not even be worried about profit for a very long time. But you see, there's another school of thought, another school of people. Who they own is that they have seen a lot of problems. So we're talking about the number of unbanked people. I'm talking about the number of the high level of illiteracy that we have in our country. Somebody is not seeing it from the angle of, hey, yeah, these people are not educated. It's like, wow. How much is a naira, a dollar from each of these guys? So passion is not its own first thing, but there's nothing wrong about it. So he went to heaven too. He's not a sinner so that we don't get it wrong. He has seen the problem, but it is, while he was looking for funds, for looking for money, that he found that problem. So those are the two um, ways we can identify problem. What your money is passionate about and what you personally, you're seeing that you're comfortable around. You feel like it's a pain to people because it's also a pain to you. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank, thank you so much for that. Thank you very much for that. I mean, um, if we look at the second category of people that you have talked about, these are people that uh, would very likely take research very important because they are particular about profitability. Yes. Profitability. Yeah. There's no reason to lie about it. There. They've done some research. They've decided yeah. that, okay, this thing is going to be profitable. Let me go for it, right? Yeah. And it works out a lot of the time. I mean, sometimes it doesn't, but a lot of the time yeah. it works out, right? I yeah. mean, if you take the likes of an Amazon. Let me use Amazon again. Um, you know, did we know that there was a phone manufactured by Amazon? Amazon Fire. It was one of the fair, one of the fair projects. Yeah. 
one of their failed projects. How yeah. do you imagine that Amazon will build a product and then they will say it failed as big and as, you know, pocket heavy as they are? But I mean, it happens. But they've also done other things that work, the AWS, the, the Alexa, and a lot of other things. So that makes sense. But so the, the, the first category of people you mentioned, people yes, who sir. are passionate about stuff, right? And this yeah. question is for Emmanuel. So we see a lot of people who are young folks. I mean, let's be, let's be realistic. The amount of um, heavy pocket guys, HNIs, that we have in Nigeria is probably, say, maximum 5% of the population. Let's say 10. Let's, let's, be, let's be generous, right? But we know that young folks who are termed hustlers, right? Young folks who are trying to build something for themselves, who are building edtech, who are building fintechs, who are building agritechs, all of that. People who are tired. I mean, some of us, let's not lie. Our success is fueled by poverty that we, that we, we witnessed. The level at which we realize that, ah, no, 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 we cannot go back to my, I cannot go back to my village. Some of us, that is the fuel that, that, if, that, is, that, that makes our innovation very wonderful, right? People like that are looking for, what problem can I solve? What can I do? What can I fix? And Emmanuel, I'd like to answer this question. In a case like that, and somebody's asking here, so I'm trying to rephrase this question. When you have seen the problem, you realize it's a problem, right? And you want to build a solution to it. However, people are not seeing that thing you see as a problem. What do you do? In a case like that, you have seen that, ah, this thing is a problem, let's fix it. But people are not seeing it as a problem. First of all, how do you even know people are seeing it or not? But people are not seeing, you have now built a solution, God help you, right? You have seen the problem, you have built a solution, but nobody else is seeing it. Or maybe only a few people are seeing it. You thought millions will see it, but it's like only two or five, your family members and some of your friends that notice there's a problem. What do you do? Emmanuel, please come in. Um, okay. So I think I would answer that question in two ways, right? So the first way I would answer that question is, um, so first of all, I'll, I'll, I'll try and put it this way. Now, if you spend time with founders in Silicon Valley, right, you will notice that they have a different mindset to how they approach business than how some founders, um, although it's, the, the narrative is changing in Africa anyways, but the majority of founders in Africa, there's a way they approach business basically and approach um, addressing problems, you know, um, as opposed to, and also scaling businesses, as opposed to how a typical Silicon Valley founder is approaching things, you know, and just spending a little bit of time with them, you would, you would see the quite the, the difference in that, right? They don't um, necessarily, now, if you, also, if you also look at some of the companies that are coming up in, in um, what do you call it, in Africa currently, and they are scaling fast, raising a lot of money and all of that, solving, um, having thousands and millions of of of, um, of customers using their product, also you see their mindset towards growth, growing the business towards um, how they attack problems within the community. Basically, you see that it's it's quite different from the traditional um, um, founder that actually comes up with with solutions for the business. Now, why am I mentioning this? Is because you know interacting with some of these people opened my eyes to certain things. You know, and I was like. It's true. I, I need to change how I'm thinking about this thing. Why? Because when you say a problem that you've seen, somebody else does not see as a problem, how do you attack it? That's the, um, 
I think the answer is in that is in the question itself, basically, because the question is, how did you come about the problem in the first place? Do you understand? You know, um, how did you now, for example, relating in the tech space now, you know, you want to build a product and things like that. The first thing really is to is to identify a customer segment, right? And then also you know, see, there are some things that someone might, might be like, uh, no, let's not go into that. It's too, it's a bit technical. No, let's just find a problem that everybody can see and try and solve and like that. But the truth is that running a business that can scale and scale across the continent and scale globally is is um it's um it's it's not you don't wing it, it's calculated, everything is calculated. What we do at time, everything is calculated, right? The the market size, the market segment. I remember I had a session with Michael Sibel, um, that's the founder, um, the CEO of YC, you know, and you know, I just had like a few minutes with him. I thought he doesn't understand the Nigerian market or the African market. So I thought I had the knowledge that I was trying to share with him. And then when I had a few sessions with him, I realized that I didn't even know my market very well. You understand, you know, he broke it down properly from, 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 from me. I wasn't seeing it like that. I was seeing um, Africa as a whole, like I'm serving all of Africa. He broke it down to me that you're not serving all of Africa, you're serving economically viable cities, break down the continent, see Africa as one country, do you understand? And then, um, or no, not one country, see Africa as a set of cities. Don't attack Africa in the, in the mindset of countries. So when you are attacking Africa in the sense of Ghana, Kenya, South Africa, um, Namibia, it looks a little bit um, vague, right? But when you're attacking in the sense of cities, Lagos, Abuja, Johannesburg, Accra, Nabe, um, uh, what do you call it, Cairo, and all of that, it gives you much more context. Then you can now divide, okay, where are the uh, economically viable cities? Meaning that the cities where you have a lot of companies that can serve you, that you can serve, that has businesses that are thriving, people that have internet penetration, right? Look at these cities. Okay, this, this particular city has um, X number of businesses. There's a lot of internet penetration. There are urban companies there. There are tech companies in this place. Okay, now looking at it, you know, how do you now, what are the common problems that, they have, that these companies are having in those particular places? It begins to give you context, as opposed to saying you are serving Nigeria. Lagos and Ibadan are not the same thing. Um, Kano and Joss are not the same thing, right? But so if you are just saying you want to serve Nigeria as a whole, you know, the problem in each of these cities are completely different. But when you narrow it to economically viable cities, cities that have um, some, um, that are, how do I put it, you have a lot of um, 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 uh, tech companies, for example. Now I'm just talking about my own space now. You have a lot of tech companies there. You have companies that have raised money, companies that can pay for services. When you look at it in that way, it now gives you a little bit more context. Now, if I'm talking about Ghana, I'm talking about Accra. If I'm talking about Nigeria, I'm talking about Lagos, Abuja, and just a couple of cities, right? You know, and I'm targeting my solution to businesses within this particular region, right? Basically, and then you know, I'm narrowing down the problem. Now, these companies now, so these are the classes of companies in this kind of cities. Now, these companies, what kind of problems do they are they facing? Are they trying now in Lagos, for example, you have a lot of fintech companies, companies that are trying to um, uh, what do you call it, uh, tackle, um, address the working generation. I know everybody's saying the unbanked, underbanked, forget it. Everybody is trying to, they are, they are all serving the same market, basically. They are all trying to target the youths, right? And these youths are tech savvy, basically. And what is the problem? What are the problems these companies are having with interacting with this kind of people? You know, then it gives you much more context. There are other companies that are serving. Um, 
um, what, what do you call it? The Malam, uh, say Malams, the, um, the agent bankers in you know, remote regions, and they're trying to offer financial services to people who come to their POS and all of that. Now, the problem doesn't have been a completely different, you know, how do you now adapt a solution to that particular problem? So the same thing is just understanding your market segment first, and then seeing the problem that exists within that particular sphere. You know, it gives you much more context, right? So when you say you have a problem that other people are not seeing as a problem, you know, if we're talking in the context of building sustainable businesses, right? The problem has to, before you can even set up to build anything, that problem has to be big enough, right? If it is just two people that um, see it as a problem, then I don't think it's something you should waste your time on. It has to be a problem that is big enough that's, um, and not just big enough, but a problem that is reoccurring by itself. I'll give you an example. Everybody has to, new children are born every year, right? These children have to go to primary school. The children have to go to nursery school. They have to go to secondary school. They will also have to enter university. So as people are leaving university, new people are entering university. Now think about it. The wedding industry is a very lucrative industry. Why? Because people will always get married. The nursery school industry is very, is a very lucrative because people will always go to nursery school. You know, the clothes business would still be booming because people have to wear clothes. Food would always thrive. Agriculture would thrive because people have to eat. You know, that's, you know, it's a, it's a, and then if you find problem within this reoccurring um, sectors, you know, it's, it's a no brainer for you. You will hit jackpots. For example, in my own field now, people have to make transfers. As long as there is FinTech, there is going to be transfers. Transaction will be happening. So it's not, I don't even need to do anything. I just need to enable the whole solution and my traffic will be increasing because people would always make transactions. People will always make payments. People will always want to use FinTech apps. As long as the apps are coming, they will always be customer based. Do you understand? So that's that's basically that's basically uh, how you see it, right? So find a good sector, um, understand your market segment, understand the problem that is unique to that particular segment. And then that problem has to be reoccurring by itself. You don't need to do anything. That's it always, people have to buy land. It's a no brainer, like people will always buy land. It will always happen. People will want to build house. Everybody will want to build house at some point. So that problem will keep reoccurring. Now, what is, now the problem is now, now okay, if people are building house and buying land, you know, what are the challenges to building house? What are the challenges to buying land within the, 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 the system? And how do I, enable and solve it you know that's how you see it but then when you're just coming up with one fancy problem that doesn't relate to anybody you don't you can't even pin the problem to a particular market segment you just say students students is a vague word you can't say i'm, I'm providing a solution for students which kind of students what category of students what, what exactly what are those students why are those students uh, feeling the pain and then you bear in mind also if you're if you're tackling a problem you need to narrow it down also the people that you are trying to solve the problem for, are they willing to pay for that problem? Do they really need the problem? And then are they, um, um, how painful is it for them basically? You know, so, it, so it's always, it's always um, everything that you are doing, try to narrow it down to the barest minimum. Don't just stay on the surface level. That's when you have a problem of this problem is not relating to somebody else. It's not because you are, it's, it's, it's too big basically. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, thank you for that. And in, in the next few seconds, I just want you to quickly jump in, just in like in a minute um, or so. So let's imagine there are the category of entrepreneurs eh, that are strong-headed. We know there are plenty. All of us are strong-headed. Let's. That's one. That's a is a is a recipe for entrepreneurship. You need to be strong-headed because you need to say this must work. 
either you like it or not. We know that, right? Um, however, what is the, is there a thin line between, I feel there's a thin line really between being deadly committed, you know, um, being consistent and being emotionally attached to a product or a solution, right? And Imani, I want to quickly answer this, and Damila will also jump in like a minute maximum, right? Should an entrepreneur be emotionally, emotionally attached to their product or service? Um, at what point should they realize that they are being emotionally attached? And what do they do? Right. I don't. I, I hope Emmanuel, you get my question, right? Yeah, yeah, I get you. Emotionally attached. Should, should it be your baby? You know how we used to. Ah, my baby is my. You get. Please come in here. Yeah. So, so I've I've been in that position before, right? That's the classical dilemma of founders, basically. When you love your product too much, most times the way you know that you love your product too much, right? At the early stage is when you are slow to ship out um, the product. When you keep, you know, making it look better. Somebody asks you that, why have you not, uh, why have you not launched? They're like, I'm trying to correct some things. I'm still talking to the customers. You know, it just is a classical example that you love your product too much, right? And then such companies would eventually fail, right? Because um, you are you are building the product for yourself, not for the customer. If you're really building for the customer, then you 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 will throw it out there, get their feedback, and make it better, basically. And then the more they use it, the more you know, you improve on the product, basically, you know, and being emotionally attached to your product doesn't help anybody. You are not being in the product for yourself, you know. You know, the point thing I usually look at is that when you are, when you are emotionally attached to a product, for example, and that way you even know that emotional attachment is when if a customer gives you feedback and you are upset and you get angry and then you just shout at the customer and, you know, and like, it shows that you don't even know what you're doing because the How much? You, need, you need the feedback from the customer to get better. You need them to trash your product. Also, we're always looking for customers to, to trash the product, right? Because that's how we get better. In fact, we don't, there's a policy we have. We don't build any feature if up to 10 people have not complained, you know, about something. We don't, we don't even build it. We need to see a lot of complaints concerning it. So we are happy that they are complaining about it. You understand? We want to see more people complain about that. Oh, you guys don't have this, or this thing is not working very well. We don't touch that thing until the complaints have gotten to a specific number. You understand? Then we now jump and build that thing. So sometimes we already know what to do, but we want to see that the demand is there. You understand? And like that. And then we want, and then we want to gauge their response concerning it. We want to see what they are thinking about it, how they are thinking about it. And then we can now work towards it basically. And like that, but we don't just go and we're just, um, you know, we're massing. No, no, no. We build something small, throw it to the customer, see their response, take it, um, and then we don't even shut down the stuff. Why they are complaining? We're already fixing it, and then we throw it to the market back again to correct uh, whatever that has been done, basically. So, loving your product too much, it doesn't help anybody. Do you understand? It doesn't help you, especially when you are at the early stage. You are, you are probably out of. 100%, you have at least 20% broke, meaning that you might not have money, you understand? So why you, if you need, throw it out there and then get people to pay for your product so that you can earn some cash for yourself. So why are you romancing the product over and over again? And like that, it doesn't help anybody basically. So for me, I would say that you should, and then it doesn't have to be tech products, it could be anything that you are, that you are, um, you know, you know, being emotionally attached. Emotionally attached is two key things that can show you that you are is one, Customer gives you feedback, or somebody gives you feedback, and you are very upset and angry. 
it's, it's, a, it's an indicator. Secondly, you know, they ask you, what have you launched? And you've not launched, you say you are making it look better or making the service better, or you are gathering feedback. You understand, you know, you're just lying to yourself. You know, how are you gathering the feedback from who? It's the, the feedback, okay, maybe your family or friends, your brother and sister, no, that's not feedback. Throw it out there. Is the product out now? Have you given it to somebody's hands? Right, and the person that you are giving it, it should be somebody that is paying for it. That, that, that's someone that will give you very good feedback, not somebody that is your friend that just wants to use it. You know, it has to be someone that is paying for that service. That's the best person to give you the right feedback. And don't even give it to one person, give it to as many people as possible. You know, that's gathering enough feedback to give you much more context to that problem so that things are not biased, basically. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. Damlai, please jump in. Give us give us some insights in your next one minute. Right. Yes, so you, I know you have said it. Out here. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yes, as in China, we just report let, let me give you a practical example. Like that's why I was smiling. I think it's up to a month now. Uh, so my tech lead came and said that, oh, uh, we had a UI, a uh, present UI on the platform. I feel like it's poor. I, I have I love design, I love good designs, right? So I was like, I was just complained about the, the design. And I was just complaining about it and complaining. The guy was like, come. And I, you know, as I was speaking, I was also giving ideas on some of the powerful designs that I've seen that you can do and stuff. And the guy went to go and bring a, a UI UX researcher. That's what they call the young in then. I'm like, why are we doing research? Is it not, if you see a fine UI, would you know that this is a fine UI? I even, you know, I got some pictures from Pinterest. I was showing them, look at this nice thing, a real a prop tech company, this real estate company in Dubai, this one in China. Why are we not doing research again to ask people about, you know, where should I put the wallet button? Actually, right? And at that point, right, I knew that I was getting like way into it myself. I was like, man, you're not paying for this thing, right? You're not the one paying for this thing. You just have to retract and let them listen, let them speak to the guys who are paying for it. So if you're developing, you come up with a solution and only your, um, what's it called? Uh, your family members, church members, are the ones using it. One, I feel like your problem is not big enough, just to be honest, right? There's also the place of, you know, coming up with a solution that people are not seeing yet. Seeing is the word, right? It's just when the first tab was produced, right? Um, so it may be, is the timing right? Yes, is the education right? Let me give you another example. I think I was in final year. We had gone to a community for, is it not to do, um, something that has to do with pesticide and herbicide for local farmers, I can't remember, right? And we're struggling. We we're trying to show them something that was happening in Kenya at that time. You know, how you can use SMS, USD code to buy fertilizer and stuff. The problem there was education. The local farmers, you know, we were, we were using textbook and aggression to pass the old message and stuff, but the education was not there enough, right? So if somebody is saying he wants to revolutionize um, tech right now and saying, EduTech, sorry, and saying when you go to as far as Ife, Modakeke, or Ikate, all those places now, students can now learn via tablet, they can learn online and stuff. The question will not be, is it not solving a great problem? It is solving a great problem, but the infrastructure for it to run is not there. Do, do you understand what we're trying to say now? So when you're looking at, you're, you're in that kind of position, you should be asking yourself, is the education, is it right? One of the problems that the e-commerce um, sector is still having right now in Nigeria or most African countries is just of simply trust. It's trust that is the problem. It used to be the problem of infrastructure. The number of internet users are now increasing, right? But now it's a cultural problem, which is just trust. So I will not buy a color green bag online and then I'm seeing color yellow in my house, right? Yeah. So you want to check those kind of things. Is the education right? Um, 
is the environment ripe enough for it? Like, is the infrastructure, is it ripe enough? Is it, is it great enough? You know, I was addressing my guys and I was talking about if you, if you had drawn tattoo, right, in 2002, when I was in Abeokuta, right, whether you are a child of God or not, you are a devil, you have tattoo, do you get it now? But the rate of tattoos now everywhere, right? So it means that I can start a shop. Is it not now in Nigeria that people are now having, uh, what do you call it, sex toys uh, uh, businesses? And they have Instagram pages and that level of confidence. You now have an you say I'm a CEO of a sex. You don't do that in 1999, <laughs> even if you're a pagan. The environment just feel like, I oh, know, how will you do that and stuff, right? Just imagine if iPhone 12 Pro Max was produced in 1985. And we're not talking about 5G. As in that kind of, so sometimes some of the solutions that we, and that's where you're not looking at the problem that people are facing right now. I said, I want to, I want to, I want to come up with a new solution. It's a gun that can kill three people at once. Why are you not in Afghanistan? Or you want to sell it to the Nigerian army? <laughs> do you understand? And, and then most also is also the misplaced of market. Yeah, let me also explain that. It's like you carrying um, the guy that has sex toys stuff. And I say, wants to go and do exhibition in Redemption Camp or Kenaland. <laughs> Sometimes it's, yes, yes, it's the environment where you are, where the, such product, such solution is for that is different. Because sometimes, you know, our guys just go online and they see a solution that is working very well in, in, in Manchester or somewhere in Poland. I feel like, oh, we should do that. And you have not asked fundamental question that surrounds that solution. Times things like the financial system, credit score. You now say, oh, I'm bringing a lending platform here where just by looking at your face, the AI will pick it up and say, ah, this guy is a trustworthy guy. Yeah, man. Who are you deceiving in Lagos? They will confuse you. <laughs> they will confuse your AI. Before you promotion it to Ikeja, you're already confused. Right? So the environment, the infrastructure, is it ripe enough? Um, how big is the problem? Um, and is the education, is it, is it sufficient enough for those that want to use um, that solution? Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thank you for that. So basically, it still boils down to customer segments, understanding your customer, understanding the problem and how it fits into uh, the customer segments. Wonderful, wonderful. I want us to be a bit more specific. Someone asked on the uh, questions feed saying, how can I, as I'm paraphrasing, as an African in the United Kingdom, how can I scale an, a hairstyling business? Right. Um, and the person gave a little bit of explanation to say that um, he or she wants to render services to an army of hairstylists. Right. Makes a lot of sense. You want to sell products to meet African hairstyling needs. I believe that this person must have seen that uh, there's a problem in the United Kingdom where maybe people, UK people, uh, English people might not necessarily make hair like the Africans. We know that our paparazzi is plenty in this place. Right. I know for one that um, braiding in in the UK, in the US, in Canada is a big deal. You need to have like a whole lot of money to braid, like as much as maybe three hundred to five hundred dollars to braid your hair. Braiding that you would do here in um, one corner for two k, five k, right? But this person now, I think this person is in this business and he's saying, "How can I scale a hairstyling business?" So this person wants, wants a specific answer, right? Um, Emmanuel, I think you should answer answer this quickly. How can I scale a hairstyling business? This person wants to reach out to, maybe wants to provide some products or some services to um, other hairstylists, right? How can he or she do this? Very quickly. Okay, so what I feel is you are missing the word. You are, um, you are getting it wrong when it comes to scaling. Scaling doesn't necessarily mean, um, doesn't always have to mean having thousands of customers. That's not scaling. 
scaling at times could be you have a, a good business could be 500 customers or 100 recurring customers who are paying $5,000 per head and you're paying you every two, two weeks. That's a good business basically. And then you have 100, that 100 increases to 200 and they're paying you $5,000 regularly, basically. So the point is that what kind of business do you want to do? You want to do a mass market business. So do you want to do a premium service business? basically. So you need to be sure of what you are doing. So if it's a premium service business, right, the best way to achieve that kind of business might not even be a salon because um, uh, that Africans in the diaspora at times, yeah, I don't know why it's like that. Anyways, they, they don't like to, they like to, you know, they always like things to be um, special, their own stuff to be special. They, they don't like to go to public, maybe where Nigerians are public spaces and all of that. They want to have things done, maybe you visit their home and all of that, things like that, basically. So perhaps maybe you want to do a, a, a house, door-to-door uh, -door kind of, maybe you have agents that can do hair things, they want to braid their hair, they can go to people's houses and they pay a premium amount to come to your house. And then you want to target people that can pay. You want to also be in circles where you can find people that can pay. There are communities where you have Africans in, in UK, basically, and you want to engage them, you want to be within that particular circle, right, to be able to reach them, you know, or you want to know, okay, where online can I find such people, you know, and then you want to engage such people, basically, but then if you really want to do it, then it means you need to be specific in targeting those people, and they need to pack it as a premium service, really. If you want to do a mass market thing, kind of like that, then you know that you are playing with price, because Africans abroad, pricing you know is something when it comes to doing your hair barbing your hair or grading you know it's always price that, that is their issue some people will even prefer to buy a wig than to to um to, to actually go to a salon or things like that so you want to look at the pricing and then you want to also look at what kind of things can you do most times i don't like competing in pricing right so if you want to do a premium business just go straight to the premium business and target the people that can pay for your business you don't need to have one million customers 500 people, 100 people that are paying you handsomely every two, two weeks or every week, you know, is good for you basically. And you just need to get more of such customers, right? And keep increasing that basically. That's what I would think, right? Because the competition there is much, right? And then doing a mass marketing, the hairstyling business, um, I, don't, I don't know how well that would go, right? In, in UK basically, right? Um, so it was just you creating a brand around a premium service that I think could, could, could really make sense in somewhere like UK where you have many Nigerians, many people who can do the same thing, you know? Yeah. So you need to think about your structure very well. I don't know. If you are in a community where you, you don't have many Nigerians or many Africans, for example, where I am, you know, then it's much more easier for you. Basically, you, it means that you are the champion in that entire place. Everybody will come to you. And even at that, it even gives you more leverage to even charge on a premium service, right? But now when you're in a place that you have so many people like that, then I think a mass marketing might not work unless you are you're able to maybe have hair, hair fabrics that are cheap. You could reduce your cost of uh, production, your cost of, uh, of transportation of your goods and all of that. And then you can still make hairs at the same cost that a Nigerian person could, uh, is going to be making in Nigeria. Then maybe you have a chance there or something. That's just my own view about it. Wonderful. Thank you for that. And then the final question for this panel now, and this is to Damilari straight up. So someone asked, um, how do you solve comfort? How do you solve problems manually? 
if you don't have enough resources, right? Uh, before you even think of automating, you've identified a problem, but you don't have money or you don't have some resources to solve, right? Um, how do you solve problems without any resources? I'm Larry, very quickly. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so it's lean and it's my style. Um, I have my first background, uh, degree background in economics, and I'm an Ijabu man. Uh, so that gives you an understanding, right? Yeah. It gives you a basic one. <laughs> if you understand what, what that means, what, what that means is that I'm an Ijabu man, and then I studied economics in an Nigerian institution. So <laughs> the, the poverty was part of the curriculum. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, it was part of the curriculum. <laughs> because even the things that you're not meant to save funds on, you save for it. And this is my, this is my ideology, right? Um, so we want to start a, an e-commerce platform, meaning that people need to buy, you need to deliver, right? It doesn't have to happen first on a domain. I know that Osnana might not be happy with this. You may not have to have a domain yet. I can meet you at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get it? It doesn't have to happen on a web, right? There are a lot of infrastructure now, as in there are a lot of infrastructure. It will shock you that recently, um, the guys in, in my R&D team wanted to do something and they wanted to prove a point to me and they used weeks. As in weeks was what they were going to use just to help to get the data of potential users of such product. Using weeks, you cannot even know that we're the ones that are doing it. So there are many things that, as in, there are a lot of tools that you can use. And how, how do you know that you're on the right track? Starting with that, when you mean resources, as in, no, let's create a balance, sorry. Like something quickly came in my head. Because yesterday, was it yesterday or this morning? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. A friend of mine called me yesterday, a long-time friend, and he was looking for investment. I'm not an investor yet. I don't know why the guy called me, right? <laughs> he just wanted to have my idea. He was going to do something that has to do with recycling. And I, have, I, I know a couple of things about recycling, right, back then. When it comes to recycling, it's about the cost of setup. I knew I was not the right investor. I knew immediately I was not the right. But you know the funniest thing? This dude doesn't understand how much it's going to cost him to even get one of the machines for recycling. So I knew that that was a red flag. So when it comes to that kind of, maybe that's the kind of um, business that you're trying to build, right? My advice for him mm, was to go and even count his cost first. Do you understand? Go and count your cost, right? Look for someone to partner with. So maybe there is a brand that is doing something else and they're not doing that recycling. And then you want to say, okay, as part of partnership, if you're not getting an investment, can I be using your machinery and stuff for this to work first, right? Yeah. So because if you want to build something like a Boeing airline right now, that's your startup idea. Do you understand? You want to build an aircraft for only two people. Do you get it? No, uh, no, no, no. Just like, like only two for the way you have like a, what do you call those um, cars again? Um, Covered hair, <laughs> yes. That you will be in the hair and then you can open the, the roof. Yeah, convertible, yes. Thank you for that. Convertible, you want to build something like that. You have to have some cash, both in hand and in bank. Yes. So even though when you draw the structure on paper, I cannot ask you to use Google Form to run that one. You cannot use Instagram to run it. <laughs> Do you understand? So, but when we're looking at, you know, when it is that capital intensive, if it is that capital intensive, then you need to find a way to have, you spend a lot of your time in crafting your vision one in crafting the things that would help um, convert those that will believe in the dream to drop their money. So if other people are doing their pitch deck, five pages, your pitch deck cannot be five page, 
right? I don't know what is the standard number for Y Combinator, um, Emmanuel. Uh, by now, maybe about 20 or between 17 to 20 pages. You, you have to do like 50 or 60. <laughs> one page, actually. One page, right? It's not one page. Another, oh, one page, right? Oh, great. Just like um, a link Canva. But for you, you can't do one page. You have to like 100. So you will have expend your funds, yes. In, in, if you are doing research with Google Form, your own research cannot end with Google Form. So you will spend your resources, the little resources you have, on the things that will convince those that want to invest in you because of the capital that it requires. That's for part one. For those who you want to create does not require much fund. Start, there's, there's this stuff I used to teach in Covenant um, while I was there. Um, it's, it's a course, it's one half course. Start with what you have. Start where you are with what you have, right? It's, it's called the $1 business or something I learned from an Avad, Avad MBA class, right? Uh, that I learned online, sorry. I have not attended Avad yet. It's another you know, class that I learned online to create the balance, right? A $1 business. You do the $1 business in 12 hours and I want to see how profitable you will be with it. That's, now it's expensive now. A dollar is almost like 500 naira. So you can do something with it. But then it was like 360, 180, 200 naira. That's when you used to start business. There, there is a kind of mindset that comes with that. You'll be, you will leverage on resources, both human resources. Do you understand? Many of you have friends who you cannot offer to pay, right? This is where you be very key on your relationship. So when you're starting and you don't have all the resources, if you lack everything, don't lack people. At least don't lack good people in your life. Leverage on it. All right. So once you have your plan mapped out on the paper, okay, this is what exactly we want to do, right? Begin to leverage. You have about 4,000 people on your WhatsApp story. You're not the one that is telling us about uh, Ciro Nado has just moved to Manu. You're not CNN. You're not Jazeera. Speak to those 4,000, a fraction of that 4,000 people that they are your friends. So when you're not spending money on doing Instagram ads, at least 20 or 30 of those individuals can help you post. So you'll be thinking well, right? It's like when you're being, okay, you are towards the end of, of the semester. At the beginning of the semester, when you come to school, right? You'll be taking cornflakes, golden more, you put milk, do you understand? You put some, some toppings on it. Towards the end of the semester, you know, depending on where you schooled anyway and your background, You'll be more creative with your Gary, as in very, very creative. There's a lot of things that can come out of it. That's what exactly I'm asking you to do as an entrepreneur from the beginning. When you look deep within, you will see answers, right? If you don't have a website, yes, use WhatsApp. Use WhatsApp business, use WhatsApp bot, use social media. Don't go to Osna now yet to buy domain. You might just want to keep the name. Imagine the angry to <laughs> You might just want to keep the name of buying the domain. Let me be honest with you. If you cannot afford CAC registration, don't do it yet. Nobody's asking for your business card. Do you understand? Just have a name in your mind and put it in your Bible. Like, okay, God, you make this come alive. So start. You have 15,000. Somebody's not saying, ha, you must have a CAC registration. I don't know how much they're doing CAC registration now. You now spend 14,000 on CAC. You are left with one, two. <laughs> eh? You're saying, right. eh, I, I want to go and, you know, must be in a place and then you now go to maybe a tech hub or a space where you are paying about 3,000 per day or per week. You say you cannot start in, in, your, in your bedroom. Yep. So it's, it's about that, right? There's, there's a lot of resources that you can leverage on, especially right now. There's a lot of it that you can leverage and leverage on. If you know you don't have an office, tell the people you are, you are also um, being compliant with COVID. You can do a Zoom meeting. Yep. So there are a lot of ways that you can save resources when you are starting very lean. Every one million startup hmm, has a $1 version of it. Wonderful. Once you can figure out what exactly can I do with a dollar, with $10, with $100, then you can start with it. 
and begin to prove yourself. As you prove yourself, you begin to invest more resources and then you begin to expand. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for that. Thank you very much. Uh, wonderful insights. Emmanuel Damilari, you guys have been beautiful. You guys have been awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate uh, your time. I'd like to crave your indulgences for just extra 10 minutes on the show so we can have a few people, just in, two people in one, one minute each for them to, you know, also give feedback. Let's hear from them, just two people. And um, as participants, if you'd like to, you know, be bumped up to the stage to say one or two things, kindly raise your hands. You have 30 seconds each. Raise your hand for 30 seconds. I'm just, uh, just going to allow you to say one or two things. Just, you know, some feedback. If, if you are an attendee, you'd like to, um, you know, you'd like to jump to the stage and say one or two things, right? So we can wrap this up very quickly. If you are an attendee, you'd like to say one or two things, just use the raise hand um, feature. Raise your hand and I'm going to bump you up to uh, panelists very quickly. If there's anybody, I'm going to wait for a few seconds. Just count to 10. One. So in a few seconds, I'm just going to, you know, uh, if there's no hands and that's fine, we're just going to close. Uh, but if we're going to have hands, please do that uh, immediately so we can bump you up to panelists and then we can have uh, one or two feedbacks, one or two feedbacks. Oh, okay, we can, we're getting feedbacks in the chat section. People are saying, thank you, amazing, wonderful. Okay, then that's good. That's wonderful, that's wonderful, that's wonderful. So thank you very much, participants. Thank you so much, Damilari. Thank you so much, Emmanuel, for your time. We really appreciate this. Um, we're going to share... Um, Damilari and um, Realvest's contact. We're going to share Emmanuel and Termai's uh, contact uh, with everybody who joined uh, this uh, event. We're going to also have a recording of this event sent to you. It's going to be uploaded to YouTube, and then we're going to share that with you as well in a follow-up mail that will come uh, on Monday latest. So you get some series of emails from us from today to Monday. So please uh, do well to watch out for these emails from Ostana Activate. Thank you so much, everybody. We really appreciate you. In in um, you know in the in the spirit of parting, I'd like to have final words from Emmanuel and then Damilari. Just thirty seconds. Just say something. Advise the young folks, the young entrepreneurs of. Uh, now, just give it 30 seconds word of advice, um, you know, especially to people who don't have so much resources, people you'd expect to start sports, start with MVPs and all of that. Emmanuel, please go. Yeah, so basically my own words would just be, if you want to start, just start now. Push your product out, get feedback, repeat the process. That's all, I'll just say. Um, then also, Try to um, try to stay alive at all costs. Do everything to stay alive because opportunities don't come to dead companies. They come mm -hmm. to those that are still hanging on. Right. Wonderful. So stay alive, and perhaps when opportunity comes in a year or two, you might be available for it. Right. So ways to stay alive is if you can't fund the business, go and get a job, and mm -hmm. use your salary to fund the business. Right. You know, and just keep the company going. For a long time, I used my salary from another company to fund the business. So I, I got different jobs in, um, I was doing freelancing um, as a digital marketer, right? You know, getting paid for the service and I was funding my company till it was able to pick up um, basically. So just find ways to stay alive, that's all. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. I'm Larry, there you go. Um, help us solve Africans' most important problems. That's, I so much believe in this generation, and I really want us to make impact um, before we leave. So I'm asking uh, that whenever you're coming up with those wonderful ideas that God has given you, you're working on them, think of how it's gonna help us as a continent, um, as a nation, 
and your immediate community. Thank you so much for putting this together, Osnano. Um, God bless you. Thank you so much, Damilari. Thank you so much, Emmanuel. It was a wonderful time on this session with you guys. We learned a lot. I'm sure the participants also, um, you know, had one or two things to learn. We want to get feedbacks from these people. We'll definitely be sharing with you from time to time as we get feedbacks from them. Really, really appreciate your time. Thank you and have a wonderful day. Emmanuel, please get some rest. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good day. All right. Bye. Thank you.